1: as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. We've got a great one. We've got a preview of the NFC East for 2019 in the FDH Lounge and following in the footsteps co-hosting this with me of the great Kyle Ross and the great Chris Galloway. Uh, Chris unable to join us uh, this year to uh, pick it up for what would have been the third year in a row. uh, We send our best wishes to him and his family on uh, the passing of his mother right about the time that we are taping here. So uh, we go to the, uh, the bullpen from the very, very, very deep bench in the FDH Lounge. Good friend Raymond Smalley, Platinum Smalls himself, who has just once again fired up the Googling Atlee Hammaker brand of sports and pop culture media. You can go to Always Googling Atlee Hammaker at blogspot.com. Glad to have him in breaking down all eight of the divisions with us. Today we are hitting the NFC East. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here, Raymond.
1: What do you want me to do? I'm sorry. I'm
0: back. <laughs> Do 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 do. to state of emergency.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and right, yes, and right now I want to look to my right and see Danica Patrick.
0: <laughs> well, once again, sports and pop culture that will set the tone for our NFC East divisional preview. And uh, again. You can find my predictions at Fantasy Football Draftology 2019 available on the main page of FantasyDraftHelp.com. For anybody that's done that, you can see that I forecast great things in 2019 for the Philadelphia Eagles going back to the playoffs as division champions and uh, have them getting in there. And uh, this is one of these things where, generally speaking, there is, I think, a thinning out In the NFL. We talked about this previously, I think, when we did our AFC South breakdown. The observation of FDH Lounge dignitary Ben Chu that this is a year where there's great volatility and that there are very few sure things, especially in the good way. In the bad way, we know there's going to be, you got Miami, you got Oakland, you got a couple other things, you got a couple teams in this division, to be perfectly honest with you. But as far as teams that are really, really, really at a sterling level and that you can believe in and put your money on, few and far between this year, and I agree with him, but Philly is my choice to win the NFC East and actually go far, far beyond that because that's what they are to me, you know, in a league where, again, in, in the NFC, it's so weird because at this time of year ago, it was like, oh my God, look at Minnesota, look at New Orleans, look at the Rams, of those three, the only thing—the only team I would say that about right now would be the Rams, and even they have questions. We'll get to that when we get to the NFC West breakdown. But to me, Philadelphia, they have almost less questions, I think, than just about anybody in the league. And, and that comes from when, you, when you've won the Super Bowl two years ago, you've been to the top of the mountain, albeit at the end with a different quarterback. But uh, again, having Carson Wentz instead of Nick Foles does not dissuade me from picking great things for them, including winning this division.
1: Before I talk about their offense and defense, are you given pause even a little that if Carson Wentz and I will not go as far as to say what I once said of Tony Romo—that he was made out of the rare combination of stained glass and cupcake batter? Very good. Are you given pause even a little? that if Carson Wentz, who does not exactly have a track record of optimum health, if he would be injured, your backup is either Nate Sutfeld or Clayton Thorson.
0: You know, look, yeah. I mean, they're they're one injury. I mean, just about any of the teams, Raymond, uh, you're looking at uh, a big injury, making my predictions null and void such is the state of the league these days. I've been saying about my beloved Cleveland Browns, with all due respect to Drew Stanton, I'd rather have somebody else uh, behind him. I'd rather have a Josh McCown or somebody. But, uh, hey, Josh McCown actually back in the league these days, so what do you know? So uh, and, and actually, so so Philadelphia, I, 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 don't, I don't regard Carson Wentz as necessarily being more fragile than anybody else. He didn't get hurt in 2016, so it's not like it's happened every year. But, uh, again, you could say that about just about any team in the league, uh, that that would be the case. It is the exception to the rule that you can bring a Nick Foles off the bench, have him be the relief pitcher to take you the rest of the way. Now Philly gets to live like everybody else, where when the quarterback goes down, you're screwed. But I don't necessarily foresee Carson Wentz going down, and that is evident in my prediction of where they're going to go. And that's
1: absolutely a fair point. I mean, you talk, we, talk, we talked in previous... Uh, additions about offensive lines, quite possibly the best pair of tackles in this league, and Jason Peters and Lane Johnson protecting Carson Wentz. Uh, very good interior of that offensive line as well. Jason Kelsey is a top five center in this league. I have questions about his weapons. When I did, you mentioned, uh, always Googling Atley Hamaker, when I did my triplets piece, Eagles rank 21st in the quarterback, running back, wide receiver combination. I legitimately, Carson Wentz, if held the top-tier quarterback in this league, top eight, quite possibly top five, top three. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, I like. I don't love. Nelson Aguilar, I really like. I don't love. Deshaun Jackson, he's played in 14 other cities thus far, I believe. Yeah. Exaggerating, obviously. Zach Ertz, top five tight end in this league. However... You know, we talked about, you know, offenses and the whole being greater than the sum of their parts. There are parts there. There are obviously parts that can be very good on certain days. Jackson, Aguilar, Jeffrey. Running backs, um, absolutely, to me, that is the weakest aspect of this team. Uh, Jordan Howard, good in Chicago, never loved him. And you talk about a depth problem. Miles Sanders is your number two. Defensively, they're as good as anybody in the league. And I mean, you talk about parts. You talk about parts to stand out: Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Nigel Blattam, uh Eric Reed's favorite player, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Jalen Mills. Defensively, and with Carson Wentz as your quarterback, I know there were there are people that would you know, stare at me as if you know. I had just vomited in front of them. I would almost argue that they are better defensively than they are offensively. Offense is very good. As I said, the line is a top eight line in this league. Uh, Defensively, I think early season, especially with Carson coming back, I think the defense carries them. I think it is them and and Dallas, and there is a cat's eyelash between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think either one of them could, could win this division. Either one of them that wins this, this division, I think, can go deep into the NFC playoffs. Again, I have questions with how good Philadelphia's offense can be. Again, wide receivers can be great on certain days. Jordan Howard can be very good on certain days. Carson Wentz, we talked about him. Again, I have I have questions about this Philadelphia roster, not questions that would keep me from thinking, they're either the division winner or they're one game
0: back at Dallas and they can still make noise. Well, I want to go back to what you said about the offense because it's a lot of the same parts at wide receiver. Not completely. You had Tory Smith in there for Deshaun Jackson, who had the the great good luck, I say sarcastically, to have the donut hole in his Philly career be, you know, when they won the Super Bowl. He's back now. He's more or less in the Tory Smith slot. But even then, it was more about what you were saying, the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. There's two parts that weren't even mentioned there because they're not getting a lot of attention. Actually, three parts. Uh, Miles Sanders, I think, uh, is is really looking pretty good in training camp here at running back. If Jordan Howard isn't the answer, Miles Sanders may be as the lead back. So, clip and save on that one. Tight end, Dallas Godert, he has been a little bit hurt right now. I love Dallas Godert coming out of college. Well, yeah, I did too. And here's the thing him and Zach Ertz, we've talked about this previously. I think think we talked about it with Denver. What you can do with Denver, yeah. Yeah, the two tight ends and how you can really kind of work that in this league. To have two tight ends with the hands that these guys have is a rare thing indeed. And speaking of hands. This is a guy where I really liked him coming out of college. I really thought that they got a heck of a uh, deal on him in the draft. J.J. Arkega Whiteside out of, I believe, Stanford at wide receiver. Yeah. And uh, that is a guy where he he can really make uh, some nice catches in traffic and uh, be a nice uh, piece in there. So you got him, you got Aguilar, you got Jackson, you got Jeffrey, you got all of those guys there. You got Ertz and Godert at, at tight end once Godert gets healthy. So you have an awful lot of options to be able to go to. Uh, they're certainly not top-heavy, that's true, uh, and, and your triplets thing, it did sort of reward teams like my Browns that are a little bit sort of top-heavy in those areas, uh, although I, I think you know the Browns also have good depth at wide receiver and uh, especially, especially at running back as well. But uh, yeah, Philly is a team that, again, they've been there before, uh, so that they have that winning DNA. I know that FDH Lounge dignitary Joe Staszak would be very, very happy to hear me putting them over the way that they are. It's a thing where you mentioned Dallas, and a lot of people tend to think that it's between them. And I'm looking at it, and I'm just I'm not seeing enough there with them. Uh, Dak Prescott, the would-be $40 million man, Uh, again, he's a better quarterback when he has better weapons to work with, but you could say that about just about anybody in the league. Uh, Zeke Elliott, one of the people who I'm really cursing out because just to pull back the curtain a little bit, there is a little, little, little bit of a space here between when we're taping the divisional previews and when we go live. And there are any number of a-holes in the league who could basically make some of this content look dated. As of when we're taping this, yes, Elliot is still holding out. And there are some rumors that he could be coming back very shortly. Uh, I'm going to look pretty stupid if if, if he comes back before this uh, mini-episode goes live. Uh, So thanks for that, Zeke, you selfish prick. But anyways, you know, (laughs) they got enough things... There uh, again, saying you ignorant slut. Yes, yes, I've uh, I've replaced uh, that in today's uh, in, in the 2019 vernacular of America, and uh, again, Dallas is a team where, and this has really been sort of the thing with them for a long, long time. And to, to the to the credit of Jerry Jones, I think in terms of trying to negotiate sane contracts, if he can at running back and wide receiver, he's trying to mitigate what they've been over the years. The number one reason over the last 20-plus years they haven't done crap in the playoffs when they've made it there is because they are basically a stars and scrubs kind of team. They're a little bit top-heavy at some positions, a lot of star power at some positions, not enough at other places. In recent years, they've gotten that a little bit more balanced. But, you know, this is one of these things where when you trade a first-round pick for Amari Cooper and you're now having to pay full freight for Amari Cooper as opposed to a young-and-cheap uh, wide receiver for a couple of years in the first round. Them and their ongoing cap issues and, and, and where they're at, uh, again, I, I have more questions about them than I do Philadelphia. I have more questions about their coaching uh, I've I've got Dallas right now as a wild card team, largely because, like I said, I think the depth in the NFC has eroded significantly from a year ago. So, somewhat by a process of elimination, I have them in there. But to me, it's not uh, a, a very very close call between them and Philly.
1: See, to me, it is a to, to me it is a very close call. What is interesting, and it is an aspect and an angle I had not yet considered. You look at. Philadelphia is too deep, and and, and you're right. They're not top heavy, and with the three you mentioned, they could even be better three years from now than they are right now. Yeah. Uh, You look at Dallas's twos, Tony Pollard is your running back. Uh, Your two backup wide receivers are John Vea Johnson and Cedric Wilson. Your backup tight end is Blake Jarwin. Yeah. I mean,. You want to talk about a lack of depth in Dallas that, you, as you pointed out, you do not have in Philadelphia.
0: Right. Right. And that's the thing here, too. And that's one of these things. And uh, uh, there was a a piece that I was reading the other day, I think it might have been on The Athletic, where they were kind of pumping the brakes on the Browns a little bit and saying that is still an issue. Basically the depth on the roster. That's the last thing that the Browns basically have to do is getting to a point of a team like Philadelphia or like new England has been in recent years. And Dallas, again, if everything goes well, uh, they, they could possibly overcome that. But you're bringing in guys like Randall Cobb, Tavon Austin, you're bringing in guys whose best days are behind. Randall Cobb is like a classic Dallas signing because Jerry Jones knows who he is. But you know, I, I don't know that necessarily uh, that's going to really help them out that much. Their offensive line is still really good. It's not what it was, say two three years ago. Uh, defensively, again, they are improving uh, with with a lot of their players there. I mean, when you're looking at uh, you know linebackers like Smith and Van Der Esch and Lee. Oh. I mean, again, it's hard to find anything negative to say about that. I think Robert Quinn at defensive end has still got some some, some good stuff left in the tank. But to, to me, there's a big chasm in depth between Philly and Dallas. And like I said, coaching is the other thing where I give Philly the big advantage.
1: Uh, coaching, uh, coaching, I will agree with you. It is, you know, if I, if, if, if I would say anything uh, with Doug Peterson, I'm, I'm certain that he would break out uh, – the Patrick Wall when Jeremy Rolnick was chirping to him one night, finally saying, "Jeremy, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't hear you because of the Stanley Cup rings in my ears." <laughs> uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that if you were in a conversation between Jason Garrett and Doug Peterson, all all all, all Doug Peterson has to do is, is is hold up that hand that has an enormous amount of bling on it. I agree with you in terms of. You look at the depth of Philadelphia's roster, you look at the, uh, at the depth of Dallas's roster, Philadelphia is much better position. Where I will say that I favor Dallas slightly, and again, and this is contingent upon Ezekiel Elliott coming back from Cabo, which I hear is lovely, well, this and all other days of the
0: year. Yes.
1: Uh, if Elliott returns, you have Dak Prescott, who seemed to find himself, would I pay him $40 million? I wouldn't pay him $20 million. All right? It's why, it's why I thank you know, my personal God every day that I'm not Jerry Jones and I'm not dealing with this, these decisions. However, with Dak improving, with Amari becoming the wide receiver, that I said I can't for that kid about, out of Alabama. I loved him. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott... When when there and when right is absolutely the best running back in this league, we'll obviously talk about Todd Gurley eventually. That offensive line, like you said, argued by talking about Philadelphia tackles. You go position by position, with the exception of Connor Williams. There are very few, if any, I would take over the other four. Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, obviously I talked about Jason Kelsey is the top five center in this league. Travis Kelsey went healthy, number one center in this league. Defensively, outstanding pieces. Uh, Sean Lee, obviously, can never stay healthy. But Leeton Van Esch, we talked about last night. Jalen Smith, um, who's outstanding. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, that's secondary to me. The biggest questions I have for Dallas is you know, the, the number two corner, in Awuzie opposite Byron Jones, the number two wide receiver because Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, Kavon Austin? Are you kidding me? I mean, last year we talked at length about Dallas not having a legitimate number one. Okay, I think they found their legitimate number one. But with Cole Beasley and Buffalo way overpaid, yeah. and that tells you what we talk, what we think of Buffalo because when we talked of Buffalo within the previous preview – we didn't even mention Cole Beasley. Right. So, you know, I feel the Buffalo way overpaid. That said, uh, you're going to roll coverage to Amari. You're going to be in a lot of single high sets or staggered two sets where they're going to shade Amari. Uh, Randall Cobb is shown flashes. Michael Gallup is shown flashes. Tavon Austin uh, was on various fields at different points in his career, so there's that. Um, you know, where I like them more, and I understand as I'm talking, all right, you're giving me an argument against Dallas. No, where I am on Dallas is the see, their defense. I like more than Philadelphia's defense. And the wattage of those top three, when they are right, again, I think it's a cat's eyelash between either of them. I'll take Dallas' offensive line over Philadelphia's offensive line. I'll take Dallas' top three weapons over Philadelphia's weapons and I will take Dallas' defense over Philadelphia's defense. Again, I think it's close, but I think – Cowboys buy a game, and I think those two games when they play each other are going to be extremely
0: fun to watch. They are going to be fun. Uh, a couple things uh, more about Dallas that I have. One is, I think uh, it, this is a callback to a previous mini-episode. Actually, the the, the most previous one. Uh, I think it was the ghost of Al Davis who recommended Devin Smith to the Cowboys. So, yet another guy they're rolling the dice on at wide receiver, hoping that they can at least get something there. And I will say also, too, that when you're looking at at them when you're looking at the makeup of this team that uh, again the, the the top heaviness of, of, of this roster it may not be what it was previously uh, but it, it is still there I think to some degree. Uh, Jason Witten coming back in a tight end uh, has got to be a better tight end in 2019 than he was Monday Night Football commentator in 2018. Uh, that says very very little to recommend him though. But uh, this is a thing where, again, I've I've got them making the playoffs. I don't have them doing anything in the playoffs. Most people out there are picking Philly and or Dallas for the playoffs. Few, if any, people are picking the other teams in the division in the playoffs. I'll start in Washington, who seems to be... It's weird how many consensus third-place teams there seem to be in the league this year. They would be the consensus third-place team in this division if you talk to most people. Because uh, I understand that the, uh, the, the slogan these days at Redskins Park is, hey, we're not the Giants at least. And that's basically about all they got to hang their hat on. Because this is something where, again, as soon as Dan Snyder took control of this team again, put his flunky George Allen in there, got rid of Scott McClellan, who, not coincidentally, boys and girls, is with the Cleveland Browns right now and has been for a year plus as a consultant in there in the inner circle. I said it at that time, Washington's going in the crapper. I was calling it quicker than just about anybody else was because they were at a relatively high point in the Dan Snyder era when they did that. So everyone was looking at where they were then. I was looking, of course, as I always try to do, at where they are headed Uh, It's a situation now where Dwayne Haskins is not going to be ready to go at the beginning of the year. Again, we've talked about this before. One-year guys in college like Mitch uh, Trubisky, I happen to think that Haskins uh, has a very high upside, uh, as does the young fella down in Arizona. But uh, it it may take him a while to get there. Uh, One year of dominating the Big Ten uh, versus the usual amount of uh, coaching and uh, you know, experience that a, a, a player is able to get now. Had he been in there earlier, as he should have been at Ohio State, that's another story altogether. That that guy uh, clearly should have been the quarterback at, at minimum. I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. Are you referencing your favorite movie of all time within Big Ten parlance, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button?
0: <laughs> I am indeed. I am indeed suffering through the Benjamin Button era at uh, quarterback. Uh, for Ohio State, I, I remember that uh, I, I went to a a, uh, a game where uh, somebody in the in the bathroom uh, was w- was wearing one of his jerseys, and I was like, "Is this a practical joke? Is there a guy that's going to come up next who's wearing a Kenyon Rambo jersey? Like, am I being put on here? Is there is there like a new candid camera that I don't know anything about? Just the fact that anybody would be referencing that chode with a jersey was just so far beyond my imagination." Uh, but uh, I don't know what that last ramble of mine has to do with the Redskins, aside from they're not much better. Absolutely nothing. That is the beauty of you and I. Yes, yes, except that the Redskins are are about comparable uh, to the Barrett era quarterback for uh, Ohio State. I guess I could tie it all together that way. And uh, it's not like there aren't some bright notes here. Uh, Darius Geis apparently is having a very good training camp, unsurprisingly, so The combo is. And where did Darius Geis play his college football, I'll I'll let you say it.
1: The Louisiana State University. Yeah.
0: And, uh.
1: By the way, for those in Columbus upset that I repeatedly continue referencing that, uh, please tweet at the FDH Lounge. (laughs) I'll never see any of the tweets. (laughs) However, I know you will enjoy composing
0: them. You know. I'm certainly not an LSU honk, and because my dad is an alum and a season ticket holder, I am a lifetime Ohio State fan, but I'll allow that because Ohio State fans can be so obnoxious. The administration, they always try to to, uh, give the little brother treatment to the school. That, By the way, fun fact, is the oldest college or university in not just Ohio, but the entire Western Reserve, the Ohio University, Uh, The Harvard on the Hawking. So, yeah, anytime anybody wants the tool on Ohio State for their general attitude, I will co-sign on that. But, uh, guys, Weren't you
1: almost throttled one year by angry Ohio State fans for uh, slipping in the O-H-I-O-U? Yeah,
0: yeah, Galloway and I were at the 2008 uh, game where uh, Ohio uh, was at the horseshoe, and uh, that was a game where uh, it didn't go well for us. But uh, we were there, we were representing, we were rocking the green and white, we were having a great time, and they were doing the OHIO, and we would put our arms up over our heads and yell, "You!" and there were there were dudes with buck stashes who wanted to climb up rows to get at us, who wanted to fight us, like we were literally pissing on Woody Hayes' grave. I mean, the, the, the general attitude of a lot of the people there... Is just, it it has to be seen to be believed, but you wouldn't really want to see it or believe it, quite frankly, because it's not very pleasant. But, uh, uh. No, and
1: while the majority of us would be, get at me, dog, Rick was vociferously pointing to Chris saying, no, get at him, dog.
0: (laughs) It was him. It was him. Didn't you see it?
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's. Yeah, that is where Rick did his uh, best at uh, Jamaican hip-hop
0: artist and, and went all shaggy, One not me? One not me, One not me. I'm not sure what any of this has to do with my point about the Darius Geis-Adrian Peterson backfield, but uh, there it is anyways. I think it's going to be a very good one. Uh, you've still got P. Ryan in there, Chris Thompson, but uh, you're, you're getting kind of desperate if you need to use either one of those two. Uh, Paul Richardson, uh, another exemplar of my saying over the years uh, that he is the wide receiver of the future and he always will be. But uh, Josh Stockton, that could go for him too. Uh, this is a thing where uh, Washington swings and misses on more wide receivers than like any other team in the league and, and by a wide margin. Jordan Reed, uh, a very talented tight end, but guess what? He's hurt again. Shocking! So you look at this roster, and again, you know, it's it's not lacking for decent parts here. Uh, Particularly uh, defensively, you've got some parts in there that are pretty good. And uh, you know, Landon Collins, did did they really overpay for him? They might have, but again, the term I like to use, force multiplier. He makes the guys around him better. A, a, A decent secondary. Again, this is just a roster where I think it's going nowhere. You, you get the sense that uh, Jay Gruden has sort of reached that treadmill at this point. They haven't taken the steps forward yet. Uh, one more year of them not making the playoffs, which they are a lot to do, and this might be the end of Jay Gruden. So much like some of these other teams here, I invoked Houston earlier, where a coach could be on the hot seat and that could really make the bottom fall out. I'm looking for that for Washington also.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and when your thought is, well, we're not the Giants. Uh, yeah, that 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 is not that is not. Uh, if I may, if I may steal a uh, professional wrestling reset that you and I have uh, used from uh, phone call to phone call. Yeah, a lot of the uh, when you say we're not the Giants, yeah, a lot of those Washington fans this year will be coming dressed as chairs.
0: Yes, they will. Yes, they will. The late great Tom Zank would really approve of that reference. And...
1: Dwayne Haskins, I love at Ohio. I love an Ohio State. I loved him much more than the young kid in Arizona. That obviously you and I will talk about. Uh, you know, Darius Geis, huge fan. Huge fan of him at LSU. Actually loved him better than uh, Leonard Fournette because he can do more. He's more versatile. However, when I put together my triplets piece that I referenced a moment ago, Washington ranks not toward the bottom. They are at the bottom, dead last, 32nd of 32. Uh, Offensive line to me is a major question. You and I both like Jordan Reed, uh, injured again. When we talk about Vernon Davis, I think the last great uh, play he made was against New Orleans and Alex Smith was throwing in the ball, uh, which is ironic given where Alex Smith is right now. Yeah. Wide receivers, like you said, I mean, I'm interested in, in to see who is contending for the Desmond Howard Award in Washington <laughs> Yeah, of, uh, 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 you know, wide receiver not to perform. Josh, Josh Doxon, Cam Sims, Trey Quinn, Kelvin Harmon, Terry McLeod. That is the got Paul Richardson, who you mentioned, J.U. Chesson. That is going to be the, the worst seven in this league defensively, like you said. There's some parts there. Ryan Kerrigan, uh, Landon Collins who I like, Montez Sweat. Um, you know, I think I think Josh Norman is slightly past the sell by date, but he's still a quarter that can play in this league. However, as you said when we talked about Oakland, five wins I think that would be excessive to watch, and I'm thinking three, maybe four, and you really got to squint to see where those wins are.
0: Yeah, and uh, again, you're bound with 32 teams in the NFL to do a little bit of recycling on the takes, but it has to be said here, Bobby Heenan would love this wide receiving core, a who's who of who's that. Of who's that. Yes, yes, that's what they got, and uh, that's why they are where they are. Uh, holding up the bottom of the division here, uh, as they did last year, the New York Giants. And this is a thing where, you know, you you look at uh, Odell Beckham moving from the Giants to the Browns and what that symbolizes. I will say this, that a couple weeks ago when Channel Surfing, coming across the movie Trading Places, that's what it feels like because the Giants right now are the clown-nosed team in the league that my Browns were for 20 years and, uh, again, this is a team that has won, uh, oh, by the way, if you need them, two Super Bowls since the 2007 season. Life comes at you fast, Mara family. And uh, these days, again, you know, you, you, you've hung on to your quarterback. You know, they got mow at, oh, my God, how can they ever bench Eli Manning? He should be able to go three for 42 in every game and hang on to his job for life. I understand that they didn't have much at the time to go to. Instead of him, and they—they they may still not at this point. This is one of these things. Daniel Jones has had—he—he he has beaten the bigotry of low expectations here, and the fact that he has neither, hi, uh, you know, hyperventilated nor shat his Would pants. Soft?
1: Would yeah. that be the soft bigotry of low
0: expectations? So, okay, soft bigotry of low expectations. Okay, so I got that wrong. But, uh, again, the fact that he is neither hyper... No I'm, not, no,
1: I'm not saying that you got it wrong. In the case of Daniel Jones, he did go to Duke, so the expectations may have firmed
0: up. Yeah. And, uh, again, he just... Uh, the, the very, very low bar out there for, for his success, he, he has cleared that. Uh, he has not shat himself. He has not hyperventilated in the huddle. And everyone's like, OMG, Pro Bowl face, he proved you wrong. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, he'll probably be in there, I'm guessing, by about the midpoint of the season. Saquon Barkley, a guy that I still have number one on my draft board at running back, although I'm more fearful by the day of not just eight, but maybe even nine in the box uh, based on what's out there. Uh, Evan Engram, who is an above average tight end, uh, may have to be the one guy who gets the pressure off of uh, Barkley. Good luck with that. Uh, defensively, you took the only guy you had that could really be a pass rush threat in Olivier Vernon and sent him to Cleveland. Thank you for that. Although it cost us a really good guard. But, uh, you know, Janoris Jenkins, you still got him, albeit he hasn't lived up to the money uh, since he got there. And it just, this this team is a, a garbage heap, a flaming garbage heap. And uh, again, Dave Gettleman uh, the the well deserved low reputation that he had coming out of Carolina. If if anything, he is outdoing the tenure that he left at the end of Carolina.
1: I will I, I, I will make two points. The first, when we get to December first, is there any chance that uh, the, Mar, the that that uh, the Mara family are going to be running around saying, "Hey, we're not losing our dollar money." And Christmas is around the corner, and I ain't gonna have no money to buy my son the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip. <laughs> I, that for those that for those who have not watched the film in some time is from Yes Rick Trading Places. Yes,
0: yes. Thank you for uh, building upon my reference. <laughs>
1: you you are very you were you were very welcome. Second, oh when we talk about, I mean. This may be the worst two deep in the league. I'll talk about the normally I talk about the offense first. I'll talk about the defense except to say, uh, when you talk about putting nine in the box, I'm sorry, I'd almost put twelve in the box against Saquon Barkley. They won't let you play with twelve. I think in the Giants case they might. Yeah.
0: They might petition uh, for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, defensively I love Jabril Peppers. It's one of those gosh. Yeah, he, he, Jabril Peppers was in the, you know, Jabril Peppers was in the Alexander Haig is secretary of defense for Ronald Reagan. Al, you've been a great secretary of defense, but you're resigning as soon as you sign this letter. Now sign this letter. <laughs> no. No, I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, B.J. Goodson, Alec Ogletree. I like. However, there was the Los Angeles parted with him. Um, you know, the secondary to me... Um, especially when you talk about Antoine Bethea and DeAndre Baker. I mean, this may be, and obviously I haven't done a ranking of the defense, this may be the worst defense in terms of parts in the league. Uh, Absolutely terrible, and like I said, the two deep is even worse. Um, Saquon Barkley, I agree with you. I love him. Uh, Would I put him above Gurley? Not when Gurley's healthy. Would I put him above Ezekiel Elliott? Not on your life. That said, he's a top five, if not top three back in this league. However, you look at the rest: Evan Ingram. Uh, I mean, obviously Golden Tate suspended. Sterling Shepard. Uh, one of these one of these days, he's going to excel like his dad did. Problem is, his dad excelled in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Benny Fowler, Cody Lattimore, Rhett Allison. Um, you know, it, it's it's an absolute it, it, it's it's absolutely terrible. And when Right around the draft, you know, Dave Gettleman would sit up there with that look-what-I-done mob grin on his face, and he would say, well, actually, we were the number one scoring team in the NFC East. That gets lost in the sauce. No, Dave, listening to you talk makes us all want to pick up a bottle of the sauce and then <laughs> several bottles after that.
0: No, so, I I think we figured out Dave Gettleman's true persona. It's the fat internet nerd in the meme going, actually... You know the
1: thing about being the number (laughs) one scoring offense in your division? (laughs) It doesn't get you anything. Oh, Eli Manning and I... Rick, can you think of, and there's one more point I want to make, but I'll ask you the question, which is can you... Can you remember any other scenario in the NFL where they are treating Eli Manning as the living equivalent of what of what Teddy KGB said across the table in that final hand, hanging around, hanging around? The kid got alligator blood.
0: Yeah.
1: Two Super Bowls, while impressive do not merit a lifetime achievement award. Can you think of any other scenario within the history of the NFL where they're just letting a guy continue to play?
0: Uh, No, but we've been uh, invoking cinema an awful lot with the Giants, so uh, E.Y. Manning's quarterback play these days reminds me of Weekend at Bernie's.
1: Yeah, I don't... When you say Daniel Jones will be in, here's where I'll disagree with you a little, which is, I don't see it. I think he's got a year and another year left on that deal. I think this is going to be Aaron Rodgers, Brett Barb, with the exception of... Brett Barb was was still playing at a very high level, and Aaron Rodgers turned out to be a Hall of Fame quarterback in this league. I think neither of those, in the case of the Giants, are true. I think Eli is the worst quarterback in this league right now. I think it doesn't matter how many points you've scored. I want to see... When those points were scored, I want to see if you win. Daniel Jones, I think, sits there for a couple years, and then when he finally is ready to start, I think he's every bit as bad as you think he will be, and I think he is worse.
0: He may very well be. Again, he didn't show it in college, and the tape don't lie, folks. So we'll see. But, yeah, this this could be – and it's so weird to say this because the Giants have been through a couple tough years. This could be just the start of a really, really, really fuggly period. Maybe the worst the Giants have ever had. Uh, and, and they are an NFL team that goes way, way, way back towards the beginning. We, we could be entering an era of Giants football that is just absolutely unwatchable and where the Jets are the team of the town by default, even when they employ such a man as Adam Gase as their head coach. So you look at that and, uh, again... This uh, this division, you and I may disagree on who's at the top, but we see them as far and away the two teams up top. Redskins uh, after a big thick line between those two, and then a big thick line between them and the Giants again. And uh, again, uh, any any thoughts on uh, what final thoughts on a very very bifurcated NFC East in 2019?
1: I will I will throw this out I will throw this out there just because it's interesting as you say this is they are, they are a they are a Tiffany franchise if you will in the Tiffany City the worst season on record uh, in the 16 game era for the New York Giants 1983 when they went 3 12 and one and finished fifth in a five team division uh, they did in a 14 game scenario. 112 and 1 1966
0: Well, I got them 3 and, 3 and 13 this year, so bet the under on worst of the 16 game era. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, look, I mean, obviously
1: every team goes through you know good years and bad years. Uh, every team uh, if I may steal from Vince McMahon, has their good guys and
0: bad guys. <laughs> right.
1: However, if you look at it, when you look at a franchise that is so woefully ignorant of the situation they are living, I uh, I it's I I I feel very bad for very few people in this life. I feel very bad for Giants fans. Uh, that said, returning top of the division for a moment again when. Philadelphia and Dallas play week 7, week 16. Those two matchups are going to be incredibly fun to watch. And you say Philadelphia, I say Dallas. Going either way, it would not shock me. However, I think that's going to be, with all due respect, to Kansas City and Los Angeles. I think it's going to be the most fun division race to watch in
0: the NFL. It is going to be interesting, and uh, I'll end this with one more slam on the Giants. Where have you gone? Jeff Hostetler, a lonely Giants nation, turns its eyes to you. For Raymond Smalley, this is Rick Morris. Thank you for checking out this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.